Hello, and welcome to Raising Eco-Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community for those who are raising kids who care about their mind, body, and the earth. I'm Laura, your host, mom to a five-year-old and self-described anxious eco-minimalists. Thanks for joining. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Raising Eco-Minimalists. Before we dive into the show, today I wanted to just give you a couple of quick reminders on some ways that you can help support the show. First, you can of course subscribe. You can do that on any major podcast platform that you listen to and that helps you get the episodes right away so you don't miss one. Second, leave an Apple review. I know you probably hear that on every single podcast that you listen to, but there's a good reason for it. Because the more reviews that a podcast has, Apple will start to recognize it as one that it should show in searches or in the explore area. So it really helps the podcast get seen in places that it may not normally do. So if you haven't left a review yet, I would be so grateful if you could do that. Just take a couple minutes. It's super quick and easy and do that and help the podcast reach people who may be interested. And the third way is, of course, to share. So if you found an episode particularly that resonated with you, if you could just take a screenshot, post it on Facebook or in your Instagram stories, don't forget to tag me at Raising Eco Minimalist Podcast, and I will be so grateful. Those are some really quick ways that you can do that, and they mean a ton. I know you probably hear that a lot too, but it's true. And then finally, I just wanted to remind you that if you haven't, you can become a member of the show. That is a great way to support the podcast, support me and the time that it takes for me to record these and edit them and research for them, everything that goes into it. And while I love doing it, it still does take time away from family and and other things that I do. So the cost is just $5 a month. And if you buy for a year, you get three months free. If that's something that you're interested in, please consider it. You can find all that information in the show notes. Let's dive in. Today, we're talking all things plastic. (laughs) At the time of this release, it's July, uh, plastic-free July to be exact. And I don't know about you, but I'm already being bombarded with things that I should be buying and things that will help as parents or guardians reduce plastic for our kids and pictures of all the plastic on beaches or bodies of water, all sorts of things. I'm sure that you have also experienced the same. However, I wanted to just quickly cover what Plastic Free July was in case you've never heard of it, because that could be a possibility, and that's totally fine. Plastic Free July started becoming popular, I would say, within the last handful of years. And it's an organization, I assume a nonprofit, I guess I didn't look that up, but It's a .org, so I assume it's that. And basically, they are challenging everybody to take the month of July and to refuse single-use plastic. Now, of course, you can do this at any month, but plastic-free July is the, the month that they've chosen. They have an option where you can sign up for the challenge. So you can uh, sign up and say, yes, I'm going to reduce my single-use plastic or eliminate it for the month of July. And the hope that from this organization is that you will build habits and make swaps that are uh, sustainable, ha, sustainable for the long term. 
they've had over 326 million participants in over 177 countries. So it's a pretty cool thing. It's, uh, like I said, it's it's gained a lot of attention, and a little bit more mainstream now, and a lot of people participate, uh, which I think is cool. Because I think it's not a secret that single-use plastic is a problem in our society, right? So just a few stats, because you know I like data. A plastic bottle takes 450 years to break down in the environment. A plastic bag? That takes 10 to 20 years. A disposable diaper can take 450 years. It's made of plastic. I know that disposable pads also contain the amount of plastic equivalent to, I think it's three or four plastic bags. And additionally, 91% of all plastic is not recycled. Now, recycling is not our the answer to our problems. We consume too much. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So the fact that all this plastic isn't recycled, while it's not great, it's I guess not surprising, and it's also not the problem. Additionally, plastic can only be recycled a certain amount of times before it eventually ends up in the landfill. So all plastic ends up in the landfill at some point in time. Every single piece of plastic that we have used is still around on Earth, right? Because if it takes 450 years to break down, plastic is not that old as an invention, That's kind of mind-blowing. One more stat here. One million plastic bottles are purchased every minute. So if you think about that, if you think about how plastic everything is still around, I think that it's, even though it's hard to imagine those numbers, it's pretty easy to see why we have an issue, right? And you can see it. Like I mentioned, you see those pictures of the beaches and the waterways and the animals that have either consumed the plastic or they have it stuck around their head or what have you. It's upsetting and it makes us want to take action, which is great. So what if I told you that I don't think all single-use plastic is bad? What if I told you that I don't think plastic is actually the enemy? I think that our single-use and desire for convenience mindset is the enemy. Now, I know that this is supposed to be an episode all about reducing plastic. (laughs) And don't worry, I'll get there, especially for those raising kids, because with kids comes a whole other layer of plastic, right? I know I'm preaching to the choir here. So let me just quickly dive into why I don't think all plastic is bad. Say that you're having a baby. You go to the hospital, let's say, or maybe a birth center. I'm going to guess that there's going to be some things in plastic there, right? Probably like IV tubes, other sorts of medical equipment. Plastic is sterile if kept in a clean environment. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in the hospital for whatever reason, I'm going to want things to be sterile and clean. And I'm going to guess most people do too, right? It's how we reduce risks of infection and other illnesses. So in that case, plastic isn't the, the enemy there. That's helping keep us safe. 
Another example is people who are disabled. There's a great NPR article that I will throw in the show notes all about this issue of people who are disabled and these plastic straw bands. This is just the particular example that the article is focusing on. And they interview people that rely on these plastic straws. You may be thinking, well, what about reusable straws or maybe paper or bamboo? Well, in this article, the person that they've interviewed is talking about how plastic, because of its pliability, allows for biting down or chewing, whereas a reusable straw doesn't, and bamboo and paper just kind of break and almost disintegrate. So for some people who rely on straws to get their nourishment or their fluids, they have to have plastic straws. And so it's just not as easy as saying we're just going to ban all plastic straws. It's more about the people that don't need them refusing them. What about plastic bag bans? We see all sorts of plastic bags, pictures of them and animals, as I mentioned, or you see them, I don't know, I see them often in my neighborhood. Well, what if I told you that it's not as simple as just banning all plastic bags? Research shows that in areas that have banned plastic bags, the sales of small garbage bags or small plastic bags increases. And that's because people start buying these plastic garbage bags or other plastic bags for stuff like cleaning the cat box or picking up their dog poop, etc. They start buying these things, which often are thicker than a store plastic bag would be. So that's kind of defeating the purpose. Additionally, research has also shown that paper bags are not the save all for the environment. They're actually very resource intensive. They do take a while to break down as well. And of course, a lot of them take virgin materials, i.e. wood. So those aren't really the saving grace either. And if you look at those plastic or canvas tote bags, the reusable ones, there's a study that shows that they need to be used 131 times before it counteracts any sort of single use. So for some people, that may be fine. That may be doable. But I'm going to guess for a lot of us, we get so many of those. At least I do. I seem to just somehow accumulate them. And a lot of them aren't that well made, I'll be honest, and they rip or... So I don't know if I've used some of them for 131 times. And I'm not saying that we should just have a free-for-all using single-use plastic bags. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's just I like to show that it's just not as simple as a clear-cut answer such as a bag ban. Again, it's about, in my opinion, the mindset around this. And then finally, the last example I want to share is all about plastic water bottles. So I just shared the statistic earlier about 1 million bottles being purchased every minute around the world. And that's a lot of plastic bottles. That's a lot of oil that's being extracted from the earth. But what about for places like Flint, Michigan, which still don't have clean drinking water? I was on a podcast being interviewed earlier this year, and the host took a swig of water out of a plastic water bottle. I honestly didn't even notice or think anything of it, but she quickly mentioned that to excuse the plastic bottle because they don't have safe drinking water where she is. And this is somebody in the sustainability room. 
So again, it's just not that easy. But the people that are out there that can and that do have safe drinking water and don't rely on bottled water should get a reusable water bottle and drink from the tap or a well or whatever it may be that you get your water from. The next thing I want to talk about is how it's not easy to refuse and reduce single-use plastic sometimes. For some things it is, but for others it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I remember the first time I went grocery shopping after starting on our zero waste journey. And I talk more about this in the episode, What is Eco Minimalism, which is episode number one. And I was so determined that I was going to walk into Aldi and just buy everything, cans, and everything was going to be plastic free. And I remember walking down the first aisle and just all of a sudden getting so overwhelmed because again, the plastic is everywhere. And you know what? A lot of companies have paid a lot of money to make this so. To put the responsibilities on us as consumers to dispose of, to pay to properly dispose of, whether that's monetarily through a curbside recycling program or through time by properly disposing at different areas, likely requiring lots of drive time, so gas, etc., just so that they don't have to have that responsibility. And they're so good at this that they have made campaigns back in the 70s and on that turn the focus on not only on us as consumers, but we also pit against each other right? If you see somebody littering, for example, you don't blame the company for creating a product that can't be disposed of properly. You blame the person. And maybe that's not the best example, but I hope you get what I'm trying to say. I talk a lot about this in my course, Making Sustainability Sustainable, which I plan on offering this fall. And it's really fascinating how this whole thing unfolded. But the long story short is, Yes, the the responsibility is on us as consumers and not the corporations that are making these unsustainable products. So what can we do? Well, Plastic Free July is a great time to start looking at your single-use plastic. And maybe refusing single-use plastic for a month is a little overwhelming, and that's okay. I'm going to share some tips. I'm also going to share some of our favorite swaps that I do with my son. And maybe you can take one or two for now and implement them one or two later and so on. The first thing that I want to start with is write, email, call, whatever your preferred method of communication is. Maybe it's even contacting or tagging on social media. But let's start contacting these companies that are creating products with unsustainable packaging and demanding that we want something else. Demand that start taking responsibility for their packaging or product or what have you. And what we can either send it back or that it's designed to last longer or it can be part of a circular economy versus a linear economy. This is a great activity to do with somewhat older kids where you can sit down, 
take a product and draft out an email together. Maybe for the first few times, you just talk through what you're doing and they sit with you. And then the next time, they help draft the email or what have you. It's quick, it's free, and maybe the company's not going to change, but the more that we have consumers contacting these companies, eventually they may change. I mean, we've seen that in other products in the past. Second thing that we can do is when we do have to consume, of course, reducing, refusing are the first two. But when we do have to consume, if we're able, supporting those companies that care about what their packaging looks like, that care what they ship their stuff in, those small women-owned BIPOC businesses that your money's actually going to be contributing to a family, you know, just a small business and supporting that versus Amazon, where I just read that Jeff Bezos is set to be a trillionaire, which is just bonkers. Anyway, (laughs) not enough time to get into that right now. But paying attention to where we spend our money. A couple of my favorite plastic-free shops are Tiny Yellow Bungalow, which is owned by a fellow mom, Jessie, who is amazing. She is so sweet and just awesome. So you can follow her on Instagram at the same name, at Tiny Yellow Bungalow, and fantastic. I also really like Tear Market, T-A-R-E. It is a local Minnesota company, but they do also ship, I know for sure, countrywide. I'm not sure about Canada or beyond. Uh, Beyond meaning like across the pond or (laughs) elsewhere. But if you're in the U.S., I do know that they ship and they've got a lot of great options. They've got a kids section. Um, I believe Tiny Yellow Bungalow does as well. So you can find some some good options there. And those are my two main go-tos. I know there's also Bestowed Essentials or Hippie Haven, which is based out of South Dakota. So I'm still in the Midwest, starting to get out West, but Midwest. And that's another really great women-owned company. So just a couple of options. I know that there's tons more. And I do have a guide that I will link in the show notes with places to find not only sustainable and ethical shops, but also ones that are specific for BIPOC own. Additionally, there's an awesome Instagram account by a woman named Aquia, and she has a resource that has over 150 BIPOC sustainable businesses. She has done hours and hours and hours of research on this, and it's definitely worth checking out. So I will link to her Instagram in the show notes so you can check that out. All right, so here are some other tips on ways to reduce single-use plastic with kids. Assuming that you are not somebody who has reduced and refused 100%, I would love to know your secret if you have, reuse and upcycle. There's a great quote by Sarah Robertson Barnes, and she says it's only single use if you use it once. I love keeping that quote in mind because it releases a lot of the guilt over single use plastic when it inevitably does come in my house. Additionally, Science Teacher Mom, who is run by Medina, and Thoughtfully Sustainable, who's run by Jess, who was on episode number five, talking all about kids and the nature connection. And speaking of Medina of Science Teacher Mom, 
keep your eye out and you may see her name come up again in the near future. <laughs> but they both mentioned that they've got boxes, or at least one box, <laughs> of plastic items, food containers, stuff that they've saved that they use for crafts and science experiments, or as my son says, experiences, which I just love. So it's okay if plastic comes in your house. And like I said, from if you're like me, it's probably inevitable. It just matters what we do with them after. So another tip, use what you have. Instead of buying something new, or if your kid wants something new, take a look around and see what you already own. Can you use that instead? Can do without. Or maybe there's something that you can substitute in the short term. The next tip. In my conversation with Jen Gale of Sustainable-ish, she talks about forming an eco-committee. And I think that this would be a perfect thing to have a committee about reducing single-use plastics. Assign each person in your family one thing that they're responsible for to reduce single-use plastic. That way, the responsibility isn't all on you, <laughs> if it's you that does the majority of that stuff, and that it's a goal that you're working together as a family. You can support each other, you can encourage each other, and you can learn along the way. As I've kind of hinted at, I'm a big proponent of starting small and starting with just one or two things. So say you've got traditional floss, for example, that you and your family use. Well, maybe you want to switch to a compostable floss. I personally like dental lace. Use up what you already have first, so you're not wasting that. And then take a look, do some research, find out a couple of brands that you want to try out, and see if it fits in within your budget. My son and I both use the dental lace, and we also use for him, uh, the dentist kind of got him started on those individual pick flossers. I'll be honest, we did use them for a short time, but I would see so many at my local nature center when I would be out walking, or we've seen them up on Lake Superior, up in northern Minnesota, and it just didn't sit right with me. And so I found these reusable picks that you just basically thread the floss through each night. And so I can use the dental laced, which is compostable, but he still has a pick type of tool to help him floss because it's still a little bit hard for him to do the, just using the string. So that's an example of, of using something up and then looking for a replacement that's a little bit more eco-friendly. Another thing that you can do to really help with that motivation, and I kind of just talked about it, is pick up litter. So like I said, those individual floss picks, the single-use ones, I see all the time. At least one a walk. You know, maybe not quite that much if I'm walking every day in the same trail, but I do switch it up a little bit. (laughs) But I see them so often, and that really encouraged me to to make that switch from those to something a little bit more sustainable. Now, the reusable pick that he uses now, my son, is still plastic, and I did buy it on Amazon, but we've had the same one now for a couple of years, or and they're still usable. So, But litter can really show us things that we may be able to switch. So another thing that I see often is single-use snack wrappers. I also see a lot of plastic water bottles. So those two things, I try to find alternatives. 
And it can help with kids too, right? Because if they're out helping to pick up litter, you can talk about things that you see a lot. And maybe in your eco committee, you can then go forward with some ideas on where to start or where to reduce. The next thing is join your local buy nothing group. Now, it's probably not a secret that buying secondhand is a great way to live a little bit more sustainably. In my episode with Addie Fisher of Old World New, her and I talk exclusively about thrifting kids' items, kids' gear, kids' clothes, etc. It's a great episode. She has a ton of great resources. If you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend checking it out. But Buy Nothing Group is becoming incredibly popular, and there might just be one in your area if you haven't checked. I would definitely do it. It's just buynothingproject.org, and there's a locator, and it can help you figure out if there's one in your area. Next door or free cycle are also two other options. I know over in the UK, the app Olio, O-L-I-O, is popular. It's a little bit slower to catch on here in the United States, but that's another one you can check. And just the act of swapping items with people that are used but still in good condition is another great way to reduce plastic. And again, as I mentioned in the episode with Addie Fisher of Old World New, thrifting for kids especially because they go through things so much faster is a fantastic way to reduce single-use plastic. So go listen to that episode and check out your Buy Nothing group if you haven't yet. All right, as I wind down on this episode... I wanted to just share some of my favorite swaps that we've done in relation to my son. The first one is reusable straws. I bought our first pack of stainless steel reusable straws back probably when he was one and a half, so a long time ago, and we're still using them today. They're still great. I even use them for my Gustine cold brew coffee. Shout out to Gus. (laughs) It's a delicious coffee. If you're local, he's Minnesotan. He also ships. So check it out. I'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, so we use our reusable straws and then I'm a huge bubble tea fan. And so I bought a boba one uh, that's glass. And then my husband is a big Bloody Mary fan. And so I bought him one as a gift for a glass one, uh, specifically for Bloody Marys. And we all love our reusable straws. So those are some of ours. Our next favorite swap is gardening. So I have an episode all about gardening with kids. It's episode number four, and it'll give you tons of tips on ways to do it and incorporate kids and get them excited, etc. But gardening is a fantastic way to reduce food packaging, of course. And it's also a great way to build community. Another one that we enjoy are reusable snack bags. So, of course, you can use containers that you already have, but I do have a few reusable snack packs. They're especially great for, like, day trips or camping, road trips, because you can pre-fill them and just have them ready to go in the car. One of my favorite companies to buy them from is Bego. It's B-E-E-G-O, handmade. She has some amazing, cute fun little snack packs. She has them in different sizes. You can pick different closures like snaps or zippers. She's got zero waste to go kits. She's got wet bags for if you to store like period underwear or cloth diapers or wipes. She's got a ton of stuff. I'll link to it in the show notes, um, but highly recommend checking her out. Buying fruits and vegetables for snacks that 
already have their own packaging. <laughs> so bananas, oranges, apples, etc., are all great options. You can throw them in your bag to, for on the go and you don't have to worry about excess packaging. Now, I live in Minnesota in the winter we really don't have a lot of options for fresh produce, or I should say fresh local produce. And I'll be honest, apples, oranges, and bananas do get a little tiring after a while when we don't have a lot of other fresh options. So I would say in the winter we do buy more packaged produce, but we do try as much as possible to avoid that and also make up for it in the summer by growing our own food and going to farmer's markets snacks. Oh, the snacks. It's a hard one for us, I'm not going to lie. If you can't get snacks in bulk, either through actually buying in bulk or maybe you make your own, buying items in the biggest package that you can get and then individually prepackaging them to make them smaller for on-the-go stuff is how we handle things. You're still getting packaging, but it's less than if you were to buy them all individually wrapped. The next thing that we like to do for swaps is buying secondhand. I already mentioned that, so I'm not going to talk about it again, but another thing I did want to mention was to utilize secondhand options such as the book library, free little libraries, or to see if you have a toy library in your area. For little, little kids or those who are using pull-ups, of course, cloth diapering and cloth wipes is the most eco-friendly option. But even if that is not something that is that fits within your lifestyle right now, there are other options such as more eco-friendly diapers that are disposable, cloth wipes for pee, etc. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail there because that could be a whole episode on its own, but... I'm just throwing that out there that we didn't cloth diaper. We tried. Uh, and with my postpartum anxiety and depression and the fact that every single diaper leaked. And so the laundry that was happening was just out of control. They just didn't work for us. But we did stick with a more eco-friendly diaper. And then we did use cloth wipes instead. So we did do a little bit. We tried to mix it up as best we could. Uh, the next swap is having a fiver party. I have an episode all about this as well. You can go check that out with all the details, but basically asking people to, if they want to give a gift, which they don't have to, to contribute $5 towards a bigger item, like a membership somewhere. If you have teens, period underwear is a super great option, one that I wish that I had when I first started my period. They even have workout gear now. They have swimsuits, yoga pants, leggings, all sorts of things. It's it's amazing. I'm, I'm still in awe of, over how they work and I love them. I use them every cycle and again, I wish it was something that I had when I was younger. We talked a little bit about floss, but bamboo toothbrushes are also a good option or can be for kids. And the last one that I'll talk about today, because I feel like I could go on and on about this, is of course the reusable water bottle. So we've got just a huge bin of reusable water bottles. I think I've talked about this before. That is not an area that we are minimal on. 
I drink a ton of water. I sweat a lot. Maybe that's TMI, but I do. I'm a heavy sweater, and so I drink a lot, and we have a lot of water bottles. Uh, but it's we use them every day, and so my son has at least one of his own, and he's got a couple other ones that he enjoys using, and we just make sure that I at least have a very large water bottle that I bring so that he can share if needed or have him bring his own so that we always have that on the go and that we're not going to be scrambling (laughs) to try and find something to drink and that may be in a single-use plastic container. One resource that I just wanted to quick throw out before I wrap up is there's an app called TAP. T-A-P, and it's available on Android and Apple phones or devices, and it tells you all the nearby places that have clean drinking water so you can fill up water bottles. As of 2018, which is the most recent article that I could find highlighting this app, there were already over 34,000 refill stations in over 7,000 cities in 30 countries. So essentially, it's like a Google map for clean drinking water that you can refill your water bottles. So check that out if you're going to be on the go and are looking for places to fill up water. I hope that that episode was helpful. We talked about what Plastic Free July was. We shared some stats about. I hope that episode was helpful. I talked about what Plastic Free July was, shared some I think startling facts about single-use plastic, shared my views on why I don't think plastic is the enemy, but our mindset is. I also shared some tips for reducing single-use plastic and how to get kids involved. And then finally, I shared some of my favorite eco-friendly swaps that I have made in my home in relation to my son. If you have any questions about reducing plastic or some question on eco-friendly swaps, you can, of course, reach out to me. But I would also recommend joining my the Raising Eco Minimalist Facebook community. It's a group for people that are who are raising kids who, well, care about their mind, body, community, and the planet. It's a great place to ask for resources and encouragement, tips, etc. You can find the link to that group in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. I hope your summer is going well so far and stay tuned for a brand new episode with a guest next week. Bye. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing. These three things are the best way to ensure that the podcast reaches other people who are trying to raise eco-minimalists. Additionally, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the link to join the Facebook community group, all in the show notes. Finally, don't forget that you can become a member of the podcast and receive benefits such as extra bonus episodes, episodes a day early, learn about guests ahead of time, and lots more. The link to becoming a member or to find out more info is also in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget that in order for sustainable living to be sustainable, it has to be sustainable for you. Until next time, bye.